Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. Ben, can you come up with a better intro? You do hello and welcome every week. Like, people don't want to see that. Ah, I guess I'm Zach's for duty. Hello and welcome, guys. It's kind of my thing, Zach. It's kind of my catchphrase. Um, trying to create a brand here at the Backseat GM Podcast. Just a welcome, a welcoming brand. It's the consistency that's key, Zach. Don't want to be coming in with these like weird, you know, greetings every single time. Really, you know, screws with the the consistency that listeners are expecting when they tune into our show. And what other consistencies are they expecting besides hello and welcome? You know, they're expecting us to be some garbled speech as we enjoy our <laughs> Kevin McHale's. Um, <laughs> some really. Uh, <laughs> tacky uh, jokes and NBA coverage, um, just an all-around mediocre product. We don't want them to, you know, we don't want too good a content because that would set too high of a bar, I think. Exactly. We want you guys to feel like you're sitting here drinking a beer with us. Exactly. That's the vibe we're going for here. Um we have a special episode today, Zach. Uh, do you want to tell tell the listeners what it is? Yeah, it's the um, today is actually Festivus, and I hope we don't get any copyright infringement for this. But this is Seinfeld's, you know, one of Seinfeld's things that have lasted throughout the years, and um, it's the, it's the season of giving. Ben, do you want to talk more about Festivus? Yeah, Festivus. Uh, it's the non-commercial holiday. Uh, exactly. To replace Christmas, you know, we get tired of, you know, the whole, you know, commercial component of Christmas a little bit. We want something a little bit more simple. Instead of a Christmas tree, we got an aluminum pole. You know, instead of, you know, giving thanks at the table, we have the airing of grievances where we, you know, kind of talk about something that's, you know, been bugging us about other people and kind of, you know, roast them a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we aren't a mainstream pod, so why should we have a mainstream Christmas? It's a festivist for the rest of us. You know, for those of you who aren't getting the joke here, um, who aren't big Seinfeld fans, go ahead and tune into Season 9, Episode 10, The Strike. Um, do us a favor, watch that first before listening to the rest of this episode, because you probably won't get any of the references uh, throughout. <laughs> um, without further ado, though, let's get into our festivist-themed podcast, Zach. Uh, First off, segment we all have come to know and love, our beer of the week, the Kevin McHale. Sounds good. And um, you guys are hearing the most beautiful sounds right now. Um, this actually has nothing to do with Festivus, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, but we're going to try to tie it back. So right now, <laughs> I've had a couple isolation ales from Odell Brewing. And it's one of those beers that... That, um, got me through college. I mean, you know, when you're drinking a beer called Isolation, it has a little picture of a cabin on it, malty, a little bit of a spice, caramel. It's one of those beers that's not the best beer you ever had, but it's almost like a crushable winter ale. It's weird, but um, it just takes you to a good place. It takes you to a comforting place, you know? Yeah, we're doing some winter beers here for our Kevin McHale in honor of Festivus. Uh, I got with me right now. One of my personal favorites, Bell's Best Brown Ale. Um, 
You know, brown ales are like one of my favorite beers, Zach, one of my favorite types of beers, but it's so hard to find a good brown ale, I feel like. You know, the ones that I find that I really enjoy, I love putting them at the top upper echelon of the beers that I drink, but so many brown ales I feel like are like super thin or they're like, they don't have enough like character to them. They don't have enough, they're, they're just kind of like bitter, um, kind of watery tasting. Bell's Best Brown Ale really rises above, I think. It's got a nice, like, multi-backbone with some caramel notes into it, and uh, it's super, you know, super crushable. Um, I just bought a six-pack at Total Wine the other day. Really looking forward to uh, crushing these bad boys back in the, uh, the icy cold months of winter in Wisconsin. I mean, but I mean, I couldn't agree. And you were hyping up brown ales and hit a couple. And I was like, ugh. And then we had Bell's best brown ale. And it was like, I, I, I know what you're talking about, my dude. I, I know what you mean. It's, and, it's, it's the standard. And the isolation ale is another favorite of mine. Uh, I wish I could get them here in Wisconsin, but I haven't been able to find them yet. Um, definitely recommend both those brewskis that we uh, that we mentioned here. Moving on to uh, a portion of the show that's already inherently Festivus-themed that we're bringing back for this episode, uh, the airballing of grievances, the part of the show where Zach and I talk about something that we need to get off our chest this week. Uh, Zach, what's something you need to get off your chest? Now, this isn't um, a hot take. I know a lot of you guys um, and gals don't really prefer Chris, Chris Weber's con, um, commenting style. And I, I kind of forgot how bad it was. You know, it's one of those things that you forget about during the day-to-day grind. You know, you're working from home or you're walking your dog or you're just, you're just drinking the isolation, you know, and you're not thinking about Chris Weber. But then when you watch a game on TNT during prime time and Chris Weber comes on your fucking screen and says, the Warriors are really well off because they have Brad Wanamaker as their backup point guard. He can really control the pace. And it just ruins your fucking day, right? It just pulls you right out of the immersion, because then you're not worried about the game. You're not worried about the Nets versus the Warriors. You're not worried about opening that. You're just worried about how fucking shitty of a take that is. And then it just keeps going. It keeps going. He keeps expounding upon that. And he says things that you just expect for anything. He just says re- stupid shit like, who's going to be the leader for the Warriors? Who's going to step up? Probably Steph fucking Kerr. And then he does those long run-on sentences where, like, even he doesn't know where they're going. Marv Albert doesn't even know what he's talking about. Yeah, Marv has to interrupt them by saying, like, the score is 71 to 68. Like, like he just has to, like, pull him out of the bullshit by just saying some random fucking fact. So... I love Chris Weber, Chris, Chris Weber as uh, when he was on TNT as kind of one of the inside guys filling for Shaq. Like, I think he's got a great personality. I just think he gets a little bit lazy in his broadcast. I think he needs to prepare some notes. I think he needs to know who Brad, Brad Wanamaker is before he gets on national fucking television. Glad the NBA is back. What about you, Ben? What do you have to do off your chest? <laughs> I'm glad the NBA is back too, Zach. Glad we're back to Chris Weber ruining our nights on a daily basis. Um, my airballing of grievance for today, I've kind of talked about this on prior podcasts. This is a little bit of a follow-up. So the NBA ended up penalizing the Bucks for the Bogdanovich saga. Um, and 
you know, a lot of people kind of forgot about this because the investigation happened, you know, weeks ago, like three, four weeks ago now, I think. They started it, and uh, Giannis signed the extension since then. A lot of stuff kind of blew over. The Bucks didn't end up getting Bogdanovich, so, like, I think most people kind of just thought that the NBA would be like, okay, whatever, you know, this happens with every team. We're just going to let it go. No harm done. Bogdanovich ended up with the Hawks anyway. Instead, the NBA strips the Bucks of a 2022 second-round pick. Um, as I've brought up on the podcast before, the Bucks are already strapped for assets. Um, they gave up basically five first-round picks in the Drew Holiday deal. Um, they've had to give up first-round picks here and there for getting off contracts or trading for other, you know, rotation players, which is kind of what you have to do as a small market team. You have to overpay for stuff. Um, The NBA statement is the thing that really got me on this. Like, you know, the whole thing was unfortunate. The Bucks weren't the ones who leaked it. It was Bogdanovich's agent who ended up leaking the whole story um, about the Bucks you know, allegedly having a deal with Bogdanovich before the deadline or before the, you know, start time to legally do so. Um, the NBA said that they took the into account the Bucks' cooperation with the investigation, as well as the absence of any evidence of any per- impermissible early agreement on the terms of contract between the Bucks and Bogdanovich. So, in other words, the NBA found no proof that the Bucks had actually done any illegal transaction with Bogdanovich and his agent, and yet still took away a second-round pick on a team that's already strapped for assets, already has given away most of their picks, and is trying to stay in contention to keep one of the league's best players in Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I just can't believe that the NBA is really, you know, showing their hate for small markets to this degree. Like, I can understand a fine, maybe, you know, a slap on the wrist type thing, but this is a team that needs every pick it can get, and they're giving away, they're making them give up a draft pick. And they they basically said that there's only going to be 59 picks in the 2022 draft as a result. So you're also taking away a potential player contract as a result from a college player. So I just think it's really dumb. And look, I, as much as I want to shit on you for being part of such a low-life organization, I can't. <laughs> I can't because the more and more information that comes out, they're just talking about a potential deal, like just like every other team does. And then the agent leaks it for some reason. It's like every other team is in negotiations for it, and they would have signed um, Bogdan at the right time. They would have signed him. They wouldn't have signed him before the deal. Before I mean, before the trade deadline. So they, it's not like they would have prevented any other team from potentially signing him. So, you know, the more that comes out about it, the more you go, like, what point is, is the league trying to prove here? And, um, but it's it definitely, uh, I don't think they have against small market teams. I think the fact that an agent leaked it, when it was supposed to be kind of a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing, they just kind of had to set an example for it, you know. Well, like I, I said, this is this is an agent that has done this before. Like he's tried to use teams as leverage to get his players higher contracts. Like uh, I think it was Marcus Morris who backed out of 
the San Antonio Spurs deal that he had agreed to in order to get a higher deal or a higher, better contract with the Knicks. Um, Bielitsa backed out of a deal with the 76ers uh, in order to get a better deal with the Kings, and he was the same agent as Bogdanovich. Um, I just think it's really dumb when clearly the party who benefited the most from this was Bogdanovich and his agent in order to get more money. And that was the reason they leaked it in the first place. And they did get more money from the Atlanta Hawks. They got a better contract than the Bucks could have possibly given them. So if the only thing that he valued was money to begin with, like, you know, he would have taken the Atlanta Hawks anyway. But the, the thing that really irks me is the fact that the Bucks basically had to they, they had basically had to abandon all like pursuance of Bogdanovich after the NBA launched an investigation. So they could no longer try to negotiate with him for a deal afterwards. So I just think it's so stupid that you penalize the Bucks for something that the agent's trying to do for leverage. You know? So the Bucks might have ended up getting Bogdanovich like in the first place had the NBA not interfered at all. So I don't know. Well, um, listeners, I'm sorry that both our air, air bond of grievances was was so heated, but I feel like it was good. And that's what they us. want. That's what the that's what the listeners want. They want heated airballing of grievances. Okay. They want they good want for the Yeah, they want their blood pressure to rise while I listen to two guys <laughs> shit on people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got a lot of problems with you people. And now you're going to hear about it. <laughs> now um, you have a platform. Now I have a platform to do so. Um, <laughs> uh, up next, uh, we have a special Festivus segment, uh, the Aluminum Poles. Um, as we know, it's a Festivus tradition where in place of a Christmas tree, you have an aluminum pole to rid the uh, event of all commercialism. So we got some NBA polls uh, via RealGM.com here for you. Uh, Zach and I are going to kind of discuss what we think about them. So the first one, uh, who will win NBA MVP in 2021? 36.85% of Real GM votes chose Luka Doncic. Zach, what do you think about this uh, MVP pick? Luka Doncic, I mean, I, I like it, but are they, I mean, MVPs are usually the best player on the, the best team. There's certain exceptions throughout NBA history where, sure, the, NBA, the, the MVP isn't the best player on the best team. It's like, like Russ is one of those exceptions. Um, so I don't think that the Mavericks are the first or second seed. That may, may, may be the third seed, but that's a lot. Uh, they may be the fourth or fifth seed. So, is Luka going to win it over LeBron or AD or even K- KD or Kyrie? I think I think Luka's going to get better. Luka's going to accelerate. The Mavericks are going to be a, a better team. They're going to, like we talked about a couple podcasts ago, that they won, they lost a lot of close games, so their record's going to be better. But I got to turn that around. MVP though, Ben, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with this poll. Well, I mean, James Harden wasn't the best player on the best team when he won MVP either. I mean, you noted the Westbrook one. Um, I think a lot of it comes from Giannis has won back-to-back MVPs uh, for essentially being the best player on the best regular season team. 
Um, but we're kind of taking into account that um, kind of the fact that voters probably won't vote for Giannis again just because of fatigue. Um, I, I don't see why not a newcomer like Doncic could be a fan favorite. He could have the storyline going, especially if the Mavericks get better. I mean, I noted on um, our last podcast where you were um, a deadbeat podcast host um how if the Mavericks get better in any way defensively like they're going to drastically improve record wise I think because they already have like a record-breaking offense so if Carlisle and the rest of the coaching staff can find out figure out a way to make them better defensively um and I think part of that comes from getting better defensive players in there like Josh Richardson now um I think they could drastically improve in the standings and that could definitely help Lucas Case um, especially if he shows improvement. Uh, like, if he shoots any better from three, I bet he gets a better narrative for MVP. Um, and I think you and I both think that he has, you know, he's capable of that. I think he has a higher ceiling than what he had last year of, like, what was it, 31% from deep. Um, yeah. Obviously, that's taking into account the difficulty of the shots, and we talked about this before, too, with, like, the kind of – it's kind of the Kobe dynamic where Kobe – had to take all these shots for his team, and that's why his three-point percentage wasn't as good as um, you kind of expect a star like that to have. But, you know, Luca's difficulty of these shots, he's literally their source of offense every time down the floor. Um, so I think I think it's a pretty decent shot. Like we talked about a couple episodes ago, Luca was my favorite to win MVP. Um, I'm really high on the Mavericks, but... Um, I, I would agree with it. Who would you pick instead of Luca? Because you said you disagree. I guess LeBron, maybe? If the Lakers are the first seed and LeBron averages 27, 10, and 8, are we, are we not giving LeBron? I feel like LeBron hasn't won MVP in a while. Like, are we not giving LeBron an MVP? That's true, and he came really close last year. So it's definitely – I mean, I would have LeBron and Doncic as my top two favorites. Yeah. So I'm not saying Doncic – look, I'm not saying Doncic can't win it. Like, I, But I think he's got to be – Second or third seed, averaging like, I don't know, averaging damn near 30. Yeah, and I think it's possible that the Mavericks could be a second or third seed in the West. Um, I don't think that's at all out of the realm of possibility. Um, I've kind of talked about my um, kind of doubts about the Clippers um, with chemistry-wise and you know, I think that they're still going to be a really good team. They're going to be at the top of the West somewhere. Um, but I do think the Mavericks could leapfrog them, potentially. Um, we'll see if um, Luke Kennard, uh, if Luka Doncic can get past Luke Kennard in the playoffs. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, Bucks second-round pick Sam Merrill, Mr. Irrelevant, number 60, was actually compared to Luka Doncic in the draft. So. <laughs> Maybe he'll have to compete with uh, Sam Merrill. Jason Rose? Who was he compared by? <laughs> All right, I think I think we uh, ready to move on. What's what's the next pollster? Yeah, the the next uh, aluminum pollster here is um, which team will James Harden play for by the twenty twenty one trade deadline? Thirty one point three nine percent of real GM voters chose the Rockets. I think that's a cap out. Ooh, whoa. I think that's just the easy choice. I mean, that's the incumbent team. I think Harden's gone. Harden's gone by the deadline. Like, 
he's already like I sent you a, a Twitter thing today where he uh, literally chucked a ball at a rookie teammate in practice. <laughs> yeah. Like things are not going well for Houston uh, in the Harden department. I mean, there's been leaks about different teams being interested. These leaks would not be coming out if the Rockets were not interested in trading him. And I think that at a certain point, you have to just bite the bullet and get on with the rest of your season. Um, I think a, a number of teams would be having, like, they can have pretty decent packages for Harden. So, yeah. you know, it's not like you're not going to be getting good value if you trade him. I think you just have to decide, you know, which one is the best for your team. But I think that's going to happen by the deadline. My favorite, personally, would probably be... <sighs> it's tough. I think I think the team that makes the most sense to me is the Sixers. But Daryl Morey has said that he's not willing to trade Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So, yeah. at that point, like, I don't know if that's a smokescreen. Like, maybe you just don't want to upset Simmons before you trade him. Like, if... You know, possibly the deal falls through or something like that. Um, they would be my favorite as like the team that I think would make the most sense for both sides. Um, the Rockets would get like Simmons, and the Sixers would get Harden to pair with Embiid. You know, so I think another team that's definitely a possibility is the the Nets. I mean, they kind of have the poo poo platter uh, thing, and Harden definitely wants to play there. Um, like they can offer basically all their young guys, all their depth if they need to to match salaries, and the Nets can fill out the rest of the roster as well as they can. I mean, they have Kyrie, Harden, and Durant at that point. So, um, I don't know. I just I would not have the Rockets as my favorite. You know, I would I would pick something else. I think that's kind of a cop out answer. But what, what do you think? Well, you know. The Nets are definitely a possibility, but I think, you know, if, if you're the Nets after tonight, seeing how fast-paced they are and seeing how quick they are in transition, how the TNT crew pointed out how fast they are in transition, and, um, I don't think – and how the offense either goes through KD or Kyrie, I like that simplicity. I like how that works. I think uh, – it's. I know it's weird to say, but it's almost like you really want to give up Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Joe Harris for James Harden? And, you know, if you're playing 2K, then yes. But if you're playing an NBA team where there's a bunch of team chemistry and defense, like Karis LeVert as your sixth man, who's your sixth man that they don't have, you know, Dinwiddie, Harris, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert? I don't think they – I think they get worse, you know, in the stretch run, you know, in the playoffs. I think they'll have a couple great nights where they all score 35. It's like, holy shit, this, this team's insane. But back to the question um, – where I think James Harden will be the heater of possibility, obviously. I mean, every team's a possibility, but it's just interesting that, you know, obviously he wants out, but then also the Rockets are quoted as saying, like, they don't want to, they don't want to trade him. So where do I think he's going to be? I think he's going to be a Rocket. I know it's a cop-out answer, but I think that we don't want to trade him. He's going to play a couple games and realize, I mean, where else, where else do I need to be? But then when, as soon as I'm saying, I realize I'm lying to myself. He's not going to be a rocket. He's going to sit out the season. But he doesn't want to sit the season. He doesn't want to sit the season because he loves basketball. That's the reports. He loves basketball. Does he, he love basketball? 
But if he loves basketball, then why isn't he training all the time? Why is he going to all these clubs? Why is he taking a helicopter? Why isn't he making his team better? Does he love does basketball, he love, or does he love does he love the lifestyle that comes with basketball? Does he like Vegas? Does he yep. like the Does he like the all night buffets at in Vegas? <laughs> no, you raised good points. I think the Sixers are def, like Sixers and trade Sixers and Simmons. Like Sixers, harder oh. for Simmons. I think that's good for both sides. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I'm repeating what you said. Like Murray said, he doesn't want to trade him. So I really have no fucking idea. There's so many. There's so many things to do. But if I had put money on it, I say he's going to stay a Rocket. Um, but there's so many signs that he's just going to be unhappy. And he may not show effort. And like you said, through a ball of teammates. So I don't fucking know. I really don't fucking know. I kind of hope he's gone. But then at the same time, I hope that he like has a change of heart and then like gets locked in because we're better with him than without him. But if we get Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Joe, and Joe Harris, then that'd be pretty fucking nice. So, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to claim to know, like, which team he's going to go to. I think a lot of these teams are viable options. But if I had to, if I had the option of picking the Rockets versus the field, I'd definitely pick the field on this. Um, that's why I kind of think that the Rockets are a cop-out answer here. Um, I've also heard Trailblazers, like you trade, like, <laughs> trade McCollum. And some pick, like you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's even a good deal for the Rockets, though. At that point, like if they're trying to rebuild, like they kind of want assets more than McCollum. You know, that's a definite downgrade at that point. Like at the end of the day, Harden has a lot more years on his deal still. Yeah. So, would you rather have a disgruntled Harden, or would you rather have CJ McCollum? Like I, I think I'd rather have Harden every day yeah. of the week. So, yeah. um, with the hope that he ends up wanting to stay or at least play basketball. <laughs> um, another poll we have here for the aluminum poll, which team won the Westbrook wall trade? What do you think, Zach? I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very biased source. I'm, I feel like I'm Tony Dungy right now. Tony <laughs> Dungy deciding who the best quarterback all time is and saying Peyton Manning and putting Tom Brady sixth and then penalizing Tom Brady Sixth for being one-dimensional when Peyton Manning is literally the most one-dimensional quarterback of all time. So um, I'll put on my Tony Dungy cap, and I'll take it off real quick. And look, if the Rockets thought they have any chance of keeping Harden, the reports were that Harden would have preferred to play with Wall over Westbrook. That's what the reports were. So if you think that you have a chance to keep Harden, you do that deal. Wall has looked really good in both preseason and off-season workouts. Um, he's looked explosive. He's looked uh, a willing passer. He's a willing scorer. But, you know, Westbrook's been playing full seasons. Westbrook's got more experience leading a team by himself. So I think the Wizards won the deal in the short term and may have, may have won the deal overall. But the Rockets were in a really shitty spot because of the fuck-up who goes by the name of James Harden. Uh, I mean, fuck up in an endearing term. I just say it like that because he's fucked up this organization because he doesn't really know what he wants for himself, so we have to bend his will. So, you know, people can show the Rockets for making that deal, but if if they thought they had any chance of keeping Harden, you make that deal 10 times out of 10. Now, I still think Wall is a hell of a player, and I think that Westbrook is such a shitty postseason player. He ruins games by trying to take it over and putting on this alpha dog mi- mindset. And some games they'll give you 40, 20, and 15. 
and put on an absolute show and be one of the best players of all time in any given moment. But on the other hand, it ruins games. It, it, it becomes selfish. He starts pulling mid-range shots and hitting, breaking backboards and pulling up threes and barreling in the guys in the paint. So we know we, we know we can't win with them in the postseason. So why not try something different? Why not try a guard who's more controlled, better IQ, and has just a more complete offense package? So that's my take because I think both teams both teams needed a facelift and both teams got a facelift. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh... Uh, what I forgot to say here was that 63.57% of real GM voters chose the Wizards um, as the winner of the trade. Um, <laughs> this trade is just so funny to me because it's literally swapping two bad contracts. Um, I think the Wizards won the trade, um, but I really don't think either team won the trade, if that makes sense. Uh I think the Wizards got the better end of the stick just because they got a healthy player. And, you know, the Wizards are trying to sell jerseys. They're trying to, like, maybe get back to the postseason for the first time in forever. Um, you know, I guess foreseeably Westbrook and Bradley Beal, like, maybe they could make a seventh-eighth seed in the East if the chips fall in their favor. Um, I just think that, you know, Wall is such an injury-plagued player. Like, he was really good in his prime, but maybe even a little bit overrated just by, you know, he made some cool passes. He was, like, he was never a really good shooter, um, kind of the traditional floor general type. Um, his defense is a little bit overstated in his prime, um, and now he's not a good defender uh, by any stretch of the word. But... I don't know. I, just, I think I think the Wizards slightly won this just be, by getting you know availability from the guy they traded for. Um, the theory of Wall is good. You know, I, I like the theory of Wall as a player. It's just the fact of him actually putting it together and getting an, a full season under his belt after this catastrophic last couple of years for him. So yeah. I don't know. That's my take. All those things, all the things you said about, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you said. That, that's definitely a possibility. This is all conjecture, right? But you know, all the things you said about Wall, you can say about Westbrook, injury prone. He had a scope on his knee. You know, he has ice packs on his knee every every quarter. He does not. He's a much worse shooter than Wall is, um, and he's a much worse defender. At least Wall made an all defensive team. So. Um, We'll see. It's going to be a we'll see kind of thing. But I can see how people think that the Wizards won. But I, I, I've seen Westbrook in the playoffs, and it's, it's, it's a broken record. John Wall could end up being a really good player for the Rockets. I just the, the only way he could help them if they end up losing Harden is if he proves that he's a good enough player for another team to want to give up assets for him. Because the Rockets are going to be rebuilding if they lose James Harden. Like, why would you try to retool with – two injured players in Wall and Cousins, and then I guess you have Christian Wood. But what's what's the ceiling of that team, you know? So, you know, in the East, that's a five seed. In the West, it's an eight seed, a seventh, eight seed. If, if that, if that. I don't even know if it's no, yeah, I'm bullish on that, yeah. I mean, Vegas has it. They're, like, ninth or tenth. Yeah, and, like, 
I think that's taking into account the injury history of those two players. Like, if you lose one of Wall or Cousins or, I mean, Christian Wood even, like, that's a really rough team. And you got, yeah, you you got, a, stro- you got a stronger West. If you said it about the Bucks, like, if, if you lose Giannis. But, like you said, Giannis has been available. Giannis isn't injury-prone with these guys, and these guys are injury-prone. So it's, it's definitely a factor. Exactly. Like, Giannis, cross his fingers, has never had, like, a major injury in his career yet, whereas yeah. John Wall has been out for a year and a half, almost two years. Yep. And DeMarcus Cousins hasn't been impactful since – his days with the Kings and maybe the early days with the Pelicans before he got hurt. But the Pelicans. So, yeah. Moving on, um, we come to our next segment of the program, another Festivus uh, seasonal segment, uh, the Human Fund. Uh, <laughs> for those of you not familiar with the Human Fund, uh, in the episode – of Seinfeld, where this takes place, uh, George Costanza gifts his coworkers a donation in their name to a made-up charity um, because he doesn't want to bother giving them Christmas gifts. So Zach and I are going to name a couple players where we think their teams would not be willing to give them a Christmas gift and would instead give them a donation to the Human Fund. Zach, do you want to go first? Um, you know what, Ben? I you to take this one. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> well, I'm going to be in my bag with the first one here. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks Uh-oh. hereby give a donation in Pat Connaughton's name to the Human Fund for Christmas. I think that uh, in light of giving Pat Connaughton an extra $3.5 million per year, I don't think – I think that's their Christmas gift in – in their own right. I don't think they really need to uh, give him anything else because I think he's already uh, really enjoying the full fruits of the Bucks front office's income in uh, – I'm drunk. Incompetency? Incompatibility? Incompetence. 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 Jeez. Oh, you want to buy? You want to buy a valve? That's staying in. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. So uh, the Bucks hereby give Pat Connaughton a donation in his name to the Human Fund. Lay lay the fuck off, Pat Connaughton. All right, he's just a dude getting his bag. All right. Yeah, because the Bucks front office doesn't know about the salary cap, so they <laughs> promised him one deal and then realized they couldn't give it to him, so they had to increase the money. Last playoffs, when uh, Planet P, Planet Pat, made a couple threes in the playoffs, who was the one that tweeted out, who is the real playoff P? Who tweeted that out? To be fair, that's more of a slight at Paul George than anything. Um I don't take responsibility for what I said in the moment. <laughs> I take I take zero responsibility whatsoever for that tweet. Oh. I don't remember saying it, and I don't claim it. 
Uh, that's totally fair, and you have every right to do such a thing. Up next, um, Philadelphia 76ers donates a donation in Tobias Harris's name to the Human Fund. Hey, I thought he's going back to his natural position now. I thought I thought they'd maybe give him a little uh, a little Christmas bonus, maybe. He just didn't deserve the Christmas bonus until he delivers, until he becomes half the player he was in uh, L.A. Yeah, he uh, he had 15 points per game in the playoffs, 13% from three. No way, 13% from three in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. God That's damn. correct. On 3.8 attempts, which is down from what he usually shoots. That's disgusting. It's like Eric Bledsoe numbers. No, no <laughs> cap. No it's cap. Like that's Aaron, it's like Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship numbers. Give me a break. That's that's Tom Brady in that sham of a Super Bowl he won, putting up 13 points and winning. Okay, four for four on the game when he drives. I don't care. I, I really, I really couldn't care less. All right, the next team we're doing, or the next team that gift that we're doing, I'm going to change it up, Ben. What's our curveball you? It's I'm going to do the Lakers giving Costas onto the coupo a donation to the Human Fund. Because they don't need him anymore. They don't need him anymore. Costas was, is good as they gone. It was heartwarming to see Costas and Tanakupo tonight receive that ring in front of uh, zero fans. Um, Staples Center. It's going to be the last time he's going to be in front of that crowd because they're going to cut him. He was he was the he was the bait for Giannis to join his brother and be buddies again. Yeah, now and the Bucks now, are going to sign him to a three-year fully guaranteed deal with a player option. All right, what's our uh, what's our next segment, Ben? Next up, we have kind of a two-part segment, uh, Festivus-themed as well, The Feats of Strength, where in the first part, we're going to talk about our favorite NBA poster that we've witnessed. Uh, Zach, do you want to go first? What's yeah. the what, what's your favorite NBA poster? A feat of strength, if you will. Sure, I think um, it's not one I've technically witnessed in person or live. It is um, it's kind of a coming of age story. Um, and back, let's take you back to 1997, through the misty sands of time, taking me back to when the the Lakers with a young Kobe, a 19 year old Kobe, driving into the paint. Crossing over at the top of the key. Yeah, yeah! Dunking over Ben Wallace. Coming of age moment. Setting the league on notice. Froby coming in with the crazy eights. Lighting the world ablaze. That's one of those, that's also like Kobe on Dwight Howard. This is one of those dunks where it's just like, holy shit. Holy shit! And it's kind of, you know, it's also kind of poetic because Ben Wallace takes away the chance for a ring there, you know? That Pistons team is tough. Play the Lakers team tough. And Ben Wallace got his revenge in the end. But that was one of those dunks where you look back through highlight reels and you're like, wow, I really wish I watched that thing live. Yeah. That 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 I've I've seen that dunk before. That's a crazy dunk. Uh yeah, you you, you and I were born in nineteen ninety seven, so that yes. wasn't uh wasn't really our prime. But, uh, <laughs> but downhill since then, my friend. <laughs> certainly been only downhill since then. Um, my favorite poster uh, is something I did see live. 
Um, it's a biased take, a biased poster. I've definitely seen a wide range of great poster dunks in my day, but the most memorable for me that rings close and dear to my heart is the Giannis jumping over Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. You know, there's been dunks where guys have jumped over players before, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is no small guy. He's he's a 6'6 player. Um, Giannis cleared him completely, and in the post-game interview didn't even realize that he did. Uh, they had to show him the highlight video afterwards. He kind of just thought that he just, you know, dunked in transition. Tim Hardaway was somewhere nearby. He cleared him completely between his legs, uh, getting a lob from Cash Money Middleton. That is the ultimate poster because Tim Hardaway is, like, completely underneath Giannis, like, covering his head. Giannis is just throwing one down. I've I've never seen a player so effortlessly clear a guy that tall. And I mean, to see it live was something incredible. The Le- LeBron dunk. I forgot who he dunked it over, but the, the the Bulls guy, the LeBron dunk when he cleared the guy that that was so effortless. But the guy was like six inches shorter than Tim Hardaway. Yeah, um, yeah. Who was that? Um, was he on the Bulls? Oh, uh, John Lucas. It was John Lucas, right? John Lucas. I think it was, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. Uh, wait. Let me let me let me look up here how tall John Lucas was here. Okay, hey, we're doing a little bit of research on the fly here for you guys. We want to give you guys John Lucas five eleven. Oh, and what's so Tim Hardaway? That's a seven six, inch difference, six six. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's a personal favorite of mine. Uh, as a Bucks fan, rings near and dear to my heart. But as far as a in game live dunk, like we've seen guys do that in the dunk contest before, where they've jumped over a player you know, who's average height or a person who's average height. This is in a game, a guy who's 6'6". Six, six. Um, that one's really special to me. Moving on uh, to the next part of our Feats of Strength segment. Um, in the episode of Seinfeld, the Feats of Strength is, of course, a wrestling match between George and his father. Um, who would you pick in a wrestling match to win among current NBA players? Who, who is your Goliath that you would uh, bet all the chips on? Okay, so who do I th- – I think – look, everyone knows I'm a Rockets fan at this point who's listened to this pod, and I don't want this to turn into a Rockets pod, but, um, you know, I'm not going to say P.J. Tucker here. I'm going to say Lou Dort. Lou Dort took that took that series of seven games because that's one of those ga- series where it's just like, oh, let James Harden have 35, Rockets win in five probably. The Lou Dort single-handedly was locking up James Harden. And a couple games, he'd hit those wide-open threes. So to, for, for Lou Dort to have the agility as well as the strength to stay in front of James Harden um, and the will, um, my, my guy's Lou Dort. Yeah, Lou Dort's a madman. Um, yes. Another madman, Marcus Smart. He, he'd be up there for me. Um okay. As as the type of guy who just kind of he, he'd get it done, he'd, he'd bite your ear off, um, Mike Tyson Smart. stuff. Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, Marcus. Um, 
<laughs> Marcus Smart's up there. Um, if Tony Allen were still in the league, he might be my pick. Mm. The grit and grinder himself. Um, but Steven Adams. Steven Adams, he looks like the guy from Game of Thrones. He's like the big Dothraki uh, king. Just a monster of a human specimen. Um, I, th- I think Steven Adams could just, just overpower Dort Dort. Um, even though Dort oh. might have the agility on him. I mean, come on. Steven Adams looks like Aquaman. You tell me Aquaman couldn't beat Lou Dort? I, I like how he picked two guys for the Thunder, or former Thunder, one of the former <laughs> Thunder. But um, I think I think that Lou Dort is quicker. Uh, I think Steven Adams gets a little top heavy sometimes. He's he's tough, but I think he gets a little top heavy. I think he gets a little bit uh, deer in headlights at times. I think Lou Dort's going to be a little quick, a little more agile. He's going to be able to do a little bit more sneak attack, a little bit more flank flank tactics instead of just your grit and grinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dork could do a little little trip maneuver, maybe get him in a. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be it'd be an interesting uh, be an interesting match. I mean, I, it's coming from a wrestler myself in high school. Oh. Wrestling at uh, one twenty six, so I kind of I kind of get the Lou Dort vibe. The uh, Kind of sneaky underdog, shifty, shifty wrestler. Um, yeah, we could. We'll put the. Uh, we'll link the Ben's huddle highlights, his high school huddle highlights. I think there. Zach and I, you know, Zach, you've kind of got the Stephen Adams physique a little bit. Maybe we could actually do a little bit of a <laughs> walkthrough of what it would, might be like with Dort versus Adams. A little so- socially distant as well as state distant. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Shadow boxing, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we got that settled. Um. <laughs> I think that uh, that about does it for our Festivus Baxi GM episode. Um, uh, is it gone so soon? Gone so soon. Uh, w- what a what a great episode this turned out to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm right now. I'm watching the. I've been watching the Clippers Lakers game right now. It's one twelve to ninety six. Looks like LeBron's calling a million and then Clippers uh, won this battle of LA. We'll see who wins the war. Oh, I bet the Lakers on this one. I wasn't. I wasn't keeping up. With this one. Uh, sorry, buddy. Our uh, uh, our our bed our betting pot podcast yeah maybe i should have um <laughs> well you can follow the backseat gm on twitter and instagram at backseat gm pod uh we're currently available on spotify as well as simplecast uh we're hopefully getting on apple podcast soon um thank you for listening thank you zach hello, hello and welcome to backseat gm pod I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it.